Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 326. I'm your host, Blaine Padme, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. So, trade deadline is come and gone. What did you do, uh, trade deadline day? Went to the gym. Did some work in the morning. Nothing happens before 1 o'clock anyway, so there was no point in really paying too much attention until then. Then uh, I turned on TSN and saw the stupidity that was going on there so i uh just had it on in the background and lived my day as normal <laughs> i'm not uh yeah I, I listen i don't uh trade deadline day to me is usually pretty boring until the last couple hours of the deadline so i pay no attention to it till till then um you looking to make the most out of this life and optimize your personal wellness? Then check out the Natural Man podcast. Join me, host Mike C, as we explore all areas of human wellness, physical, mental, and emotional. Learn strategies to optimize your own well-being and be in the driver's seat of your own health. Remember, your doctor works for you. Learn biohacks, neurohacks, ways to improve sleep, and ways to optimize your body and your mind. Check us out on Apple, Spotify, the Fountain app, and at naturalmanpodcast.com. You know, I put out a couple joke tweets about telling Kent Hughes I was going to the uh, gym, so don't make any trades until I get back. But uh, yeah, that's about it. That's, that's all. I, uh, I, I kind of was expecting moves, but wasn't. I wasn't surprised with what happened. Uh, but I did think some names would actually be on the move, but uh, yeah, didn't 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 happen, and I, I it's understandable. I, I can see why it didn't happen. Yeah, I mean, I spent the day digging out of the uh, snowstorm we had here, yeah, so we're getting, we're getting that here now. So yeah, but uh, we got hit with the snow. They shut the they shut down the base, so I didn't even have to go into work. It was great. Didn't use a sick day. Nothing. I uh, was I was working awesome. from home. See, here in Ottawa, we can work from home all but two days a week. So, yeah, I just no, I wasn't. If the base is closed, there's no point in logging in from home because no one's working. Yeah, yeah, that was my excuse. I logged in. So I, yeah, I spent <laughs> the day shoveling days. snow and playing with the dog and. Then I, then I came back in, just like you, with the last couple hours, paid attention to what was going on, and uh, yeah. So that's what we're going to talk about in this episode. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, the uh, the trade deadline. Well, 
and in all honesty, let's admit all the big trades happen during the week. Like there was really nothing. Yeah. There's a few names on the board, but nothing major, like from any team, nothing major that would have, uh, you know, made people were like, Oh my God, I can't believe that guy got, you know? So, I mean, all the big moves were already done. It was more like, yeah, trade deadline week, not trade deadline day. Yeah. I think, uh, and actually on TSN, O-Dog said it right. He goes, we should just change this to a one hour every day of the week, you know, and do an update on what trades have been. Like, he's not wrong. But, just uh, doing, uh, like a couple hour special roundup after yeah, it's done. Well, again, at one o'clock in the afternoon on trade deadline day, start your show. Yeah, <laughs> you know you don't need an eight hour it's it's like free agent friend i mean free agent friends are actually busier because free agents actually do get signed on july 1st i think it is or june 1st yeah whatever right at noon is. yeah july right 1st so uh but for draft i mean this was what the least amount of trades i think in on trade in the last day yeah in, in the, the last, last like ten or something like that. that yeah so and i think you're going to see a trend in that um yeah well i think that the lack of movement especially on the last day had a lot more to do with the cap than anything else yeah but i think uh when the first chip fall which i would go i would say ryan o'reilly going to toronto was the first big chip to fall uh, big domino yeah uh that's when everything started rolling then every other team said all right let's start Let's get the guys we want to get, or let's go for the guys we want. That way we can get plan B before someone else grabs them. Right. And yeah. uh, they, they started the arms race around that time. I mean, yeah. that was a great move by Toronto to get that, uh, to get O'Reilly. Cause that's what they needed. Um, we'll just talk about around the yeah. league right now. So Toronto made a few other moves and none that really surprised me except for one. So the ones that, you know, picking up some grit down on the blue line, Sure, they needed that. They needed some bottom six help. They got that. But the one that I was scratching my head at was Sun the uh, the Sandine trade. I think that was just to get a first round pick back. Uh, I don't. Why think would that... he need a first round pick? Well, because he traded his. Yeah, but uh, who cares? Why Why are you trading a, an NHL player for a first round pick when you're all in? I just think Dubas likes to have it. Dubas has never gone without a first round pick. Like uh, he got Pittsburgh's there that year. He traded uh, yeah. and he ended to getting that guy. I wanted at the draft. Uh, Amar- uh, the Russian that ended up getting uh, the tumor. Amarov. Um, Amarov. Right. So uh, I don't know. I think that's just Dubas's thing. Like every, it's like, it was like when Bergevin never traded away a first round pick or never picked up an extra first round pick. Uh, it, it's kind of the same still, thing. I see what you're still, saying. Toronto I see what you're saying. In, right. Yeah. I, I just don't think Gustafin was an upgrade to Sandine. So to no. me, like, yeah, I see your point. I do. I see your point saying, why did you give up a good defense, good young defenseman just for a late first round pick? Well, actually Washington probably unless, the playoffs. So. Unless it's just about the cap. Then that makes a little bit more sense, but at the same time, if the cap was really your problem, why are you making the trade for Gustafson in the first place? There's less money on your cap, and making that move for uh, for Shen, I mean that's great that 
you've got some grit on the back the back end, but it's not like Sandine didn't have any. Well, that I was more surprised with the Shen move. I because yeah. really they they already had eight defensemen, right? Like, why did you need another defenseman? And I mean, like, let's think about it. You need more grit, yeah, but you can't play all these guys. You can't play them all at the same time. Like, who are you taking out? You know what I mean? Like, you're not taking out uh, Riley, and you're not taking out uh, uh, who's the other defense they got? There's a Barry. Um, I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Brody. Brody. You're not taking out TJ Brody. You're not taking out, you're probably not taking out Lilligren. You know what I mean? Like, so who are you taking out to put these other defensemen in there? That That's what I, and then if you had yeah. Sandine, who, like, Gus, I think Gustin was basically a throw in. I don't think he was part, I think the deal was the first for Sandine personally. And I think Gustin was just uh, here. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, hey, he helped Montreal get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Okay, he was on sure. the team. He was on the team. Now, but, they didn't do anything to help their goaltending, which I think is the biggest issue that they had going into the playoffs. Because, I mean, that's the big question mark for them. They're going up against either Tampa or Boston, or likely Tampa. And you you got these question marks in your net, and you did nothing to upgrade. Statistically, statistically, the goaltending's good. Statistically. Every single year for the last, what, seven years, the goaltending in Toronto statistically has been good. But then come playoff time, the goaltending was bad in the playoffs. I will argue that Freddie Anderson was not bad in the playoffs. He was just a scapegoat in the playoffs. But Well, he did give not, up that banana. You're not wrong. In the, you're not wrong. Seventh game. He did. You're not wrong. Or that was, you're not wrong. sorry, Campbell. That was Campbell. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you're right. You're right. Uh, however, you ask a Toronto fan and they're perfectly okay with their goaltending, just like they were perfectly okay with their goaltending last year until the playoffs. And then I agree. Matt Murray's playing tonight, I think. Tonight is Saturday the 4th. He's supposed to play tonight. Uh, I don't think Murray's a, re- a great goalie. I'm not a Murray fan. I never was. Now, he um, had a couple of good runs, but he had Pittsburgh in front of him. That, and that's they were playing in a division like the one Toronto's in right yeah. now. Because if yeah. this was if Toronto were back in the Norris, the old Norris division out in the Western conference, they would run the table, but because they're in the division of death, I don't think they have the team that can, that can win. I listen. I think they did everything. I think Dubas did a great job of the trade deadline. I think he did everything he was supposed to do. He, he got the grit. He got the depth. I mean, everything he could do. How's that sound? Um, yeah. Except, you know, properly balances cap in advance. But I don't think he built a good enough team to beat Tampa or Boston. And if you ask me, and, and I'll agree, and I'll go back to our last show with uh, um, Spectres Hockey there, our, our last show, 
they got to make it to at least the f- conference finals. It's not just win the first round. Yeah. And I don't see them beating Tampa and Boston. Maybe Tampa? No. Maybe? Uh, I don't know. Now, you look at Tampa Bay. They didn't have a lot of stuff to do. They've got big names and important roles. So they went out and they got a little bit of help on the blue line. And the biggest move they made was getting Tanner Janot. And they vastly overpaid for him. Like, vastly. But he filled a specific need for that team. And one that they identified as a requirement to actually win a Stanley Cup. And you can't argue against that because they've won two Stanley Cups and made a cup final all in the last three years. And, and that's why they didn't really need to go out. They've already have a cup. They already have a team built to go to the Stanley cup. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, this trade deadline, they only have three picks and they all start in the sixth round. That's it. At this, at this trade, because they're, they're all in, they're all in. And that's how you go all in. Right. Yep. Um, why Dubas wanted his first round, still wanted a first round pick. Mind you, he moved up in the draft because Washington's probably not making the playoffs. But they should, even if they got that, why didn't they flip it? Why didn't they flip it to, that, to get, exactly. something, get something else? Like, uh, I know the Toronto fans are happy and I think they should be. Like, it's, it's you know. It's a good team. It's a good team. And I mean, once again, you get, oh, this is the best team we've had in years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you look at it, you got that Overton window. It's a good team, but then you got to slide it over and say, well, what are we up against? You know, oh, look how good these teams are. So how good is that team, really? So Tampa improved. Boston improved by getting Orlov. I want to get to Boston here now, actually. Uh, They got Orlov. They got Hathaway. uh, And they got uh, Max Bertuzzi. Bertuzzi. Tyler Bertuzzi. So they improved. They added grit. They added toughness. They made their defense better. They have the best goaltending in the league right now. They even score goals. Uh, <laughs> the guys that they added, specifically uh, Bertuzzi, a- adds goals. Like he, This is a guy who, if everyone's healthy, you now granted Hall is hurt right now, but if he were healthy at the start of the playoffs, Bertuzzi's on the fourth line, and this is a guy that could score 20 goals. On the fourth line. A team that's that's lost what six games, and if Tan- if Mont- Toronto does get by Tampa, and I'm not saying they won't, I'm not saying they Big won't. If though, if they get by Tampa, they got to get by Boston. Boston's not losing in the first round. They're not losing to a wild card team. If they do, that no, well, you think about who's in the wild card. It's probably Buffalo right now. I think that they're up against if they had the playoffs right now. Let me check. Let me. But check you have the the, the Islanders. The Sabers and the Penguins right now in that big race for the uh, the the two uh, wild card spots. Right now, it's the Islanders. Okay, they're they're, a, they're two. They're four points ahead of Buffalo, so it's Islanders now, and Pittsburgh at the two wild card spots. Okay, so let's uh, and the Islanders are the lower seed. Correct. Yeah. So they would get Buff, uh, Boston for sure. Yeah. Now the Islanders have a decent hockey team. You know they got some good pieces there. They went and got Horvat. There's no way that team is going to beat the juggernaut. The Bruins this year are a fucking wagon. Yeah. And, and it came out of nowhere. I'll be honest. I pegged Boston as struggling to make oh. the playoffs this year. So did I. And 
Swayman and Allmark just they have good goaltending. Their defense is good. Uh, they have three solid scoring lines and a defensive line. They literally have a 1980s yeah. hockey team. They roll in waves. And Correct. They look at they're motivated as shit. Yeah. Because they're looking at this, you know, uh, this could be Bergeron's last season. Not just that, but let's I mean, if we all thought Boston was gonna wasn't gonna make the playoffs this year or come close to not making the playoffs this year because of the team they had, they're getting older. Their window is quickly closing. Their window to, yeah. to, to win another cup is quickly closing, like Toronto's is quickly closing, if you really think about it. Um, oh, yeah. If they don't win this year, they're done. Toronto. Um, so Boston is just – it's almost like it's almost like the Montreal Canadiens run to the cup back in – they knew – Weber and Price knew they were on their last leg. Uh, that's a pun that I intended. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And horrible, horrible. And they uh, and they put everything into it. And this is what Boston's been doing all year. Like you said, they've lost eight games with five overtime. They have eight losses and five overtime losses. So they lot literally lost fourteen games or thirteen games. Yeah, but they got points in some. So, yeah. but you look at their defense, and I think the reason why they're doing so well beyond the motivation and the chemistry they have, because these are guys that have played together for over a decade. Most of them, you look at their top four right now, Orlov and McAvoy are a pairing. Lindholm and Carlo are a pairing. Those are two pairings that could easily play 30 minutes a game each. And that. And all four can play both sides of the ice and play it well. Yeah, You know, so. And they're they're mobile. They have good vision. They can move the puck up ice. They've all got decent shots. So they're, they're no, um, there's no, you know, massive all-star top pairing guy in there, but they're all guys who could easily be a two, three. Easily. And they're all guys, like I say, that consistently play good hockey at both ends of the ice. And that's what you need. You don't need a star defenseman. That's going to score like Carlson. Carlson will score you a hundred points, but he's not great in his own end. Let's be honest. No, these guys are pretty solid in their own. They're Lindholm pre- has issues, but sure. overall, sure, overall, good. It's it's like saying Carlson. Like, are you not going to take Carlson because he has issues in his own end? Me, yes. Well, okay, you. But I'm just saying, if you got a, a defenseman that can score you 80 to 100 points a season, are you going to worry about how he is in his own end? No, you're going to team up with someone who's better in his own end. You know, like a PK Subban and jo- Josh George. I like that pairing. Yeah, that was good. But you know what but I mean? Like, a, yeah. But, but they I don't mean, need the to, the they day. don't need they don't need to match up like that because they're no. both both guys will just pick up for the other guy. Oh, you just did a pick and you fucked up. Don't worry, I got you. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And they're they're just they're just they're just clicking right now. Now, I don't know if that's going to roll into the playoffs. Like they're on a massive roll. I think they'll be able to walk through the Islanders in under six games, maybe five because the Islanders have a decent enough team. They could take a game or two, maybe two, but a five game series. I can see. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, there are upsets. I just don't see it happening. Like I don't see. And, no, no, no. I mean, it's like we talk about Tampa and Toronto. If you really break it down at every faucet of the game, Tampa's still got a better team. Nah. 
Yeah, they, I think they got bigger names in the more important roles. Um, they, all right, people, I know Toronto fans will sit there too. We got Marner, we got Matthews. Problem with Marner, Matthews, and Tavares and all those guys is they don't play consistently enough at the same time to push you through the playoffs. If Matthews playing good, the other two aren't. If Tavares is playing good, the other two aren't. It's not a consistent. They're all playing good. They'll they'll blow you out of the water and they'll rack up points, but then they all disappear for three, four games. Then they all disappear. Like last year, Marner had a good playoffs. Do you know who didn't? Tavares and Matthews. Yeah. You know who's had a good playoffs every year for Toronto in the last three or four uh, playoff seasons? Nylander. Nylander's been their best playoff guy. Who's the one they want to get rid of the most? The fans do anyway. But uh, I'm looking at, you look at the playoffs now. Uh, they got to go through Tampa. I think Tampa takes that series. Boston, I think, has the team this year because of the way they're playing, not necessarily because like the sum is the whole is better than the sum of its parts for Boston in this case. But the team that I think that would have the best shot at beating them is Carolina. They match up well. And then Carolina they went out in the trade deadline and they picked up some pieces to really help out, you know, having patch cap, you know, in the LTIR open up some space. So they went and got Polyarvi, who's kind of a, I don't know. Polyarvi could be great on another team. Yeah. But a playoff team with hopes of making it to the cup final and maybe winning. I wonder exactly how, how much they're banking on that change of scenery and playing with other fins. How much are they banking on that? Probably as much as they banked on making an offer sheet on a, <laughs> on a third center. <laughs> um, now, now KK is playing a little bit better right now. He, so that's that, good. He got moved up onto the second line. I think he has something like eight points this last 12 games or something like that. Like I don't, don't get me wrong. He's not, uh, he's not playing bad. I mean, he, he's well, then I got to use the same standard that other people use on Canadians players when they're putting up points unsustainable. I listen, Kakiyami is a great <laughs> third. He's going to be a great third line center. He's going to be a good third but, line center, but that's, that's what he is. Yeah. And they went and got Shane Gothisbear to replace uh, D'Angelo, which is fine. I mean, they, you know, they, they, didn't spend much to get them, nope. which is exactly the kind of bargain bin shopping that Carolina loves. I don't think, I think Carolina has maybe an upset in them, maybe, but I don't see them going to the, I don't see them winning the cup. Oh, no, no, I don't think so either. But if they were to have a first round matchup with Boston again, I think they have a shot at winning that series. They could. Yeah. They match up well with Boston, but they got to get past the Rangers. Well, they'll have to get past Pittsburgh first, which I think they can do because Pittsburgh has absolutely no goaltending. And let's say, I would say their window is pretty much closed. They're like hanging on by the ledge. Um, yeah. And props to them, 17 years of making the playoffs. They're five points. They're five points above Buffalo uh, right now with the first wild card spot. Um, and games in hand. Uh, one game in hand, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ottawa. I mean, Ottawa, Florida, and Buffalo are all tied with 66. So they're all within four to five points of those last two wild, wild card spots. Uh, 
but they're also within nine points of a top 10 draft pick. <laughs> you know, and I don't, I did not see, well, actually Ottawa really, I thought Ottawa really improved their team, especially getting uh, um, Chikrin for next to nothing. Um, yeah. And I think that's Arizona just played themselves out. They just asked for too much and waited too long. Yeah. And they, they just, they, they waited themselves out. Yeah. Armstrong wanted to do what Sackick did when it came to Duchesne, just kind of, yeah. yeah, he's available, but you got to meet my price. And then he did the whole trade related reason scratching. So he forced his own hand. Yeah. So it's, it's a unforced error on his part. Yeah. And, and he had to take whatever he could on the last day and Ottawa to their credit, just sat there and waited and waited. And they said, well, here's my offer. This is the best I'm going to do. So I think of those three teams, because Florida did nothing. Buffalo added a couple minor pieces. Um, they fixed their log jam of goaltending. Um, but really, no, out of if any of those three teams just outside the wild card, it's going to be Ottawa that, that makes it or doesn't. Possibly. Really, because like I say, Florida did absolutely nothing. Good. Uh, which is good for us. Uh, Buffalo made minor moves. Um, but I mean, you're looking which at makes Buff- sense, which makes sense. Cause I believe Buffalo's kind of in that. Eh, we'd like to make the playoffs, but if we don't, we're okay with being in the, in a lottery, you know, yeah. and in a draft lottery. Uh, we're not, cause they're not there yet. Although it's coming. Buffalo is going to be a great team. I think in the next couple of years. Uh, same same with Ottawa. I hate to say it, but I think Ottawa is going to be a great team in the next couple of years, right? So yeah, yeah, they need to do a couple more things, but yeah, yeah, yeah they got they've got they've got the pieces. Now you then you look across over to the Western Conference, and I think did anything not a lot was the done Western? there. Did anything? Did not, anything? Not happen? much. I mean, not Colorado much. got Jack I mean, Johnson back, and Lars Eller. And Lars, actually, that was a good pickup for for Colorado. Yep. Uh, that uh, again, you win games by winning the middle, and with a strong uh, two way forward at three C and Lars Eller, they put they're going to have a good uh, good solid three lines. I think Colorado's team to beat in the West anyway. They're they're I think they're the uh, yeah. Well, I mean, they are the defending cup champ. Not just that, but I think if you look at the makeup of their team, gold inning still has ish, has question marks, but it did last year when they they won the cup with Kemper. So, you True. know, uh, and if you look at all the other teams that are contending, say, I mean, maybe Dallas, um, but yeah, yeah I, up dad and off, good for them. But I just don't see any other team really. Edmonton, Edmonton did what they could to make their team better. They got Eckholm, great improvement on their defense there, uh, but their goaltending shit. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, okay, Stuart Skinner, okay, sure. I mean, um, Dallas is a strong team. They didn't have a lot to do to improve there. But then you look over at the Vegas Golden Knights, and they went and picked up Barbashev, who's mm-hmm. going to be on their top line, and uh, Bluger, Terry Bluger. So he's or Teddy Bluger, sorry. Um, From Pittsburgh, he's going to yeah. f- 
yeah, he's going to solidify their fourth line at the center position. So now they got a decent center uh, center line. They got uh, Eichel, uh, Carlson, Bluger, and Chandler Stevenson. Yeah. I think Stevenson's probably pushed down to the third line now where he belongs. He's a strong third line center, but he was their first line center when they played against Montreal in the uh, 21-21 uh, playoffs. Playoffs. Uh, they have a deep team. Again, goaltending is going to be the question mark on Vegas. Everyone in the West is, yeah. except maybe except maybe Dallas and maybe Minnesota, just because they have Fleury. Uh, but even Fleury is kind of getting up there. Um, goaltending. Winnipeg with, uh, with uh, what's his name there? Uh, Calabuck. Um, but yeah. other than that, every there's team no question has, mark there. There's no question mark in Hellybuck. I wouldn't say Ottinger is a question mark. Uh, I'm going to go by reputation and say Fleury's not a question mark, but just by reputation. Um, yeah. But other than that, every team has, and everyone knows, if you got bad goaltending in the playoffs, you don't win. Which is probably why Vegas went and got Jonathan Quick. Famous Columbus Blue Jacket, Jonathan Quick. Uh, yeah. Probably because he has a playoff experience. Uh, they're hoping maybe a rebound from him. Um, you know, he wasn't having a great season in LA, but neither was Cal Peterson. Nobody was. <laughs> LA. Back in LA. LA. Like, uh, goaltending was really bad, but the rest of the team's really good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's probably why they got him for goal. I mean, don't get me wrong, Thompson's playing well for Vegas. Like, uh, he's playing really well considering he came out of nowhere and all of a sudden had to because Leonard's hurt and has this big exotic animal farm issue going on. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad for him on that. The whole $50 million thing because of the exotic reptile farm. I mean, if anyone's uh, going to have an exotic reptile farm, it's Robin Leonard. You, yeah. It, it does fit. It really does. <clears throat> and all mean, the, uh, of all the, 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 I guess, problems a guy could have, that kind of fits with Robin Leonard. Yeah. I mean, he tried something that didn't work. I feel bad for him because I know he goes through a lot. Yeah. He, he, he has a lot of uh, mental health issues, and this just goes on top of it. But, uh, yeah. Uh, the West, I think, is going to be like the West, Wild West. It's, it's a crapshoot. Uh, who's going to come out of that? Uh, it's going to be whoever has the hottest goaltending. That's that's what's going to happen there. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree. And then uh, when it comes to the East, I think it's a it's a it's Tampa, Boston. It's Tampa or Boston. I, I, I hate to say it, but that's who I think. Uh, Do you think the Rangers come out of the Metro and they make the conference final again? But depending on the health of their team at that point and who they're up against, I, I don't know if they can win. Again, it's goaltending. Shesterkin, or uh, sorry. Yeah, Shesterkin last year in the playoffs was terrible. He was terrible in the playoffs, and he's not all that great this year. But if he steps up his game and plays in the playoffs like he did last season, they could be they're the going to the final. They could be the surprise team that goes to the final, yes. Especially with the defense and the forward group they have. And that's another thing when you're looking at Toronto. Does Toronto have a better team? And this is what we're talking about, because this is the year 
everyone's like, this is the year Toronto could get past the first round. And I don't give a shit if Toronto gets past the first round. They have to go farther than the first round. I'm sorry, but they have to go. I think they have to go to the cup final or it's a failed season. Well, I mean, they set the bar so freaking low. They just want to win a round. Now, well, do you I mean, keep your GM at that point? It, not if you win, the, not if you only win the first round. I mean, he's his contract's up. Like he he's either getting renewed or not. And if he they they make it past if they don't make it past the second round, he's out. I think that if he doesn't make it to the cup final, he's out. But especially considering that this is probably Lyle would disagree last... with me. But yeah, but uh, this might be the last full season with Matthews on that team. If he's I don't think he's going to resign. If he's not signed to an extension, then this is what I mean. If they don't at least make it to the finals, you don't see Austin Matthews wanting to come back after next year. No. So then Toronto got to decide, are we selling Matthews at the deadline or are we going for it again? Because think of the return. Think of the return you're going to get for Matthews. Yeah. So, I mean, I know Toronto fans don't want to think about this. Uh, They don't want to talk about it. But Matthews isn't going to stay for a hometown discount. (laughs) No. He's not. I'm not saying his hometown. He might sign with Toronto. He might sign with Toronto. Don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not saying he wants out of Toronto, right? But if they don't start... He's not giving anybody a break. But if he doesn't... They don't start winning. And I mean, by that, I mean, if they don't get to the... uh, I think at least the finals, why would he want to come back? Yeah. Unless, for him, it's just about money and his own personal edification through a regular season if the playoffs don't mean shit to him if winning a cup doesn't mean anything to him then he doesn't care he'll stay he'll resign he won't care who he signs with he'll take the maximum amount of money is my guess i would hope i mean i'm not a a matthews hater like a lot of people are i would i would hope that he uh wants to win a cup somewhere i mean so saying that he's not signing with arizona Not if he wants to win. Not if he wants to win. Or if he wants to win soon. Like Matthews is what? He's coming up to what? 28, 30? Almost, yeah, almost 28, I think. When he becomes a free agent, I think he'll be 28. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm where I'm going. Um, born in 87. Oh, no, still so he'll be 27. But he set himself up so that he can have the two paydays on his on his contract. So he got the big right. payday with that first one, but he made it just long enough so that he'd perform and do well and get a second massive payday. A player who does that isn't doing it so that they can sign a hometown discount no. and go win no, a he, cup. He, he's going to be the highest paid player of the NHL in this next contract. Guaranteed. Uh, yeah. Unless does McDavid become free agent before or after him? I think it's after Oh, cap friendly. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, if he does have the contract come up before McDavid, I would say he becomes the highest paid player. Until McDavid. Until McDavid. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Nick David, let's see. And then there's another whole soap opera coming up. So... I'll let you find the answer to this McDa- question. McDavid's till 25, 26. Okay, so one more year than so yeah. Matthews is a free agent 24, 25. Yeah. McDavid McDavid's a free agent 26, 27. And that's another team that needs to start winning. They made the the conference final last year. They need to make a final. And I think that's McDavid's goal at this point. And having dry healthy into the playoffs is going to make a big difference. Because he he got they got there with him hurt, so they went and improved their team a little bit. They stay healthy. They got a real shot, especially in the West. So we look around the uh, we've looked around the league. Now let's talk about the Canadians. Who and their their deadline? What deadline? It's quiet. <laughs> yeah, it was fairly um, quiet. They got a lard for uh, they they Schnarr. Listen, for Schnarr. They so they. They boosted the blue line, which has been depleted due to injuries in Montreal. Um, so they boosted their blue line there, which they needed to because it's very offensive-minded and gives up a lot of goals. Um, yeah, and then they got what all did I don't even remember all they got. They got they got a lard. They got that uh, sold. So this guy. is what they got. Yeah, this is what they got. They ended up with. Dennis Gurianov. Yeah. Yeah. A fifth round pick from San Jose. They got Frederick uh, Frederick Alal, the right handed defenseman who is in the minor leagues. Who's going to help? He's going to help Laval. Tony Sund, who's a left handed defenseman who's 27 years old and plays in Europe, who may or may never, uh, may or may not ever come to North America. He's Adam. He's Ingstrom's uh, D partner in uh, Rogue. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be a good reason why they would have wanted him. Maybe both of them show up and they both go play in Laval to start it off. And Ingstrom feels a little bit more comfortable. Yeah. Makes perfect sense to me. Um, In return, they they didn't do much. They gave up Schnarr, ate 50% of Bonino's cap, and traded Dadanov. And eight fifty percent of his cap. And I think both Benito and Dadanov's money comes off at the end of the year. So yeah, they're both expiring contracts. So yeah. by July one, those two uh, retentions are back in Hughes's pocket. Yeah. yeah, leaving him one retention that he can use during the draft. Now, yes, it was quiet at the deadline, and yeah, there's other players that could have been made available, but injuries to the to players like Monahan hurt Hughes's options. Uh Edmondson came back just in time, but I don't think he got what he wanted. I think with Edmondson, people worried about his back. Um and that brought the um not the asking price, but Hughes had his the asking offers. price that brought the offers down. 
And we yeah. all know Hughes sets a price on people. And if he doesn't really get what he wants or close to what he wants, he doesn't pull the trigger. Uh, with Edmondson, he's still got another year. So you didn't have to pull the trigger on Edmondson at this trade deadline. Um, no. So I think he wanted a bit more than what people were offering. Uh, I would assume they were offered mid-round picks or maybe conditional picks saying, hey, if he plays this much, we'll this will bump up to a second or, you know what I mean? Um, and he just didn't want that. I think he thought he had more value, especially with his leadership and that. I know Edmondson made a plea, sort of, say he doesn't want to leave Montreal. He wants to stay. He wants to stay, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, whether that had something to do with it, I don't know. I'm not going to – I don't think it did. I'd say it's more the offers weren't I meeting think, his I think, requirement. I think, yeah, I think it was more the returns that were coming back weren't what he wanted, and he didn't move. I think people kicked the tires at Monaghan too, but again, I think it was going to be a low return. And uh, with the and with the, the injury that he has, which I believe is a groin injury. Um, I, think, I think that's what came out, wasn't it? Well – whispers nothing from nothing official there, there, there's been nothing official well they, um, they kind of hinted at that it wasn't his foot that's that's fixed and it, and and it wasn't and it's his, not hips. his hip but it's an injury that could put him out for the rest of the, and we all know how you and i played sports we know how groin injuries are um you know they you can either repair them quick depending on what you do and let's and let's admit he came out he had a contact jersey on did a whole practice with contact and everything and then all of a sudden he hadn't, he, he, he wasn't, he wasn't maintenance stayed. Yeah. A maintenance um, so Monahan's an interesting thing. Now, a lot of people think they should sign him in the off season. I'm not for that. Um, if um, he, it, it, everything depends, right? If he wants a show me contract that says, listen, sign me for a, a million and a half, 2 million for a season, just so I can prove that I'm healthy and ready to go. I mean, a broken foot to broken foot. You can't control that. You can't control the puck hitting your foot and breaking it. Um, so we know it's not his hip. Uh, so if he can have, sure, I will sign him for that. Yep. I will do that. You know what I mean? Um, but any more than that, I'm not signing. To me, everything depends on what's the plan with uh, Dvorak. Are you, are you getting offers? Are you looking to move him? What is the, what about Beck? Is or Do you earmark him as possibly NHL ready? Who do you draft in the first round with that first pick? Do you see that player as being NHL ready? And they're a center. Like mm. these are all things that would factor into it. Um, But if you feel like having him in the lineup to help support the younger guys for the one year and then flip him again, great. It's either way, it does it. Hughes didn't have to move him, and even if he didn't, which he didn't do, still not a failure in the fact that he was given a first-round pick just to take him. Well, well, that's just it. Like, uh, there was hopes you could get two first-round picks out of him. Like, if he stayed healthy all year and played the way he was playing, you're definitely getting a first-round pick at the uh, – and plus, you're getting a first-round plus for Monaghan. Um but you're eating 50% of his salary for sure, uh, which is fine. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if you see Dvorak go at the draft. Honestly, yeah. I mean, this is a guy who 
uh, on a contending team would be an excellent third line center who can give you some points, eat up some defensive minutes, play on penalty kill. Those are, and he's on a team friendly contract for two more seasons after this. But it also depends on where you're drafting and who you're drafting. So there's a lot of factors. Right now. There's a lot of factors that go into it. So if you look at right now, with no move, with no whatever, with no minor guys coming up, like Beck or someone, you know what I mean? With nothing. Right now, do you do you keep Dvorak or do you trade him and sign Monahan? That that's if that's what you want to deal with. You want to get out all the other outside noise that complicates the entire situation. I would pick Monahan over Dvorak. Because right now they have Suzuki and Doc as your one two. Right. And that's your perfect one two. I, I'm okay with For that. Now, yep. Yeah. Right. Because I think two different style of players, but they're giving you the exact same thing. Doc can improve his face-offs, which he has been sort of doing. Um, he's I don't think he's any worse than how's this out. I don't think he's any worse than Suzuki when he got hurt. Because Suzuki, he's only a 44% face-off guy himself. So it's not like he's which is something that the, the team needs to focus on because you you want to be a possession team, you want to start with possession, yeah. and that's where face-offs come in. And if so, Dvorak's your best face-off man, which he is by yeah. a fair margin. Uh, He's one of the better ones in the league, actually. Yeah, yeah, which people don't seem to forget because Dvorak does get a lot of shit, but he's actually playing the role he's supposed to be playing quite well, if you ask me. Yeah, yeah, he is. (laughs) And we got to also keep in mind, and I'm going to make some people vomit right now, but come draft day, what are the odds that Pierre-Luc Dubois ends up in Montreal? That's another center. So, you know, that factors into things too. Well, and, and I was, again, that's why I said, are we cutting out all the, you know, because now I'm kind of pro sign him as a UFA, but what if Dubois is using Montreal like LeCavier did to get a great deal from somebody else, which is possible. Like I do believe Dubois wants to be in Montreal, but I also do believe Dubois is going to play for Boston. If Boston says, we'll give you $10 million. (laughs) <laughs> I think it's more plausible now that he would want to play in Montreal based on the fact that all kinds of players have been saying how much they love this, the team. And it's not like it's, you know, the platitudes of, Oh, you know, I like playing here. It'd be nice to stay, but, 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 yeah. but in this case, you got Savard who is raving about the, the Montreal area clearly because he's from there. Matheson, another one because he's from yeah. there. But these are people that want to be in Montreal. Edmondson, another one. And everyone uh, everyone that uh, they've talked to around the league, you know, when they talk to players from other teams, even the players from other teams, when talking to the press from Montreal, mentioned that's a good room and St. Louis is there. So I think it's more li- more than likely that he would want to play in Montreal. Absolutely. But like you said, Players are mercenaries in the fact that they want to play for the most money because they only have a small window of opportunity mm-hmm. to make that money. Yeah. So I can't blame him for wanting the best possible offer. So does he drop $2 million off his, his demand to play in Montreal versus, say, Boston offer him, let's say they offered him nine and a half? Not only do you drop $2 million, but you're dropping $2 million and then paying the extra taxes on top yeah. of what you dropped. So really, you're probably dropping almost $4 million. 
which factors in. Are they willing to take a little bit less based on taxes and salary offers to play in that city versus not? Yeah. And now, uh, very possible. It's plausible that he does. But it's also plausible that Hughes goes to Chevaldeoff and say, hey, we want Dubois. We're mm-hmm. drafting sixth, say. Say they end up drafting six. I mean, there's a great possibility if you look at the remaining schedule that they draft third, fourth, or fifth. But if they keep playing the way they're playing and still surprise win some teams and do all this stuff, sixth or seventh, they're seventh, I think, right now. But sixth. Well, they might make the playoffs now with Drew scoring goals. <laughs> Elite sniper, Ooh. Jonathan Drew. Um, anyway. So, I mean, if they finish in the top five, you're dropped in a center. Yeah. Yeah, right? absolutely. And these are not just any centers. These are guys who are going to be on the top line or could be. Probably next year. <laughs> well, I mean. Maybe. I mean, if, you, if you're if you getting Bedard or Fantelli, they're playing in the NHL next year. Yes. If you get Mitchkoff, you're not playing for another four years. But I wouldn't take a flyer on Mitchkoff unless I'm drafting sixth or seventh, to be honest with you. But anyway, that's just me. Uh, <laughs> um, but if you're drafting top five, any of those top fives could be on the team next year and make an impact. Whether they or two years down the road or at least two years down the road. So then you go, all right, well, I got this guy who's probably going to be our number one center when he gets here. Do we pay for Dubois? I don't think the motivation to pay a hefty price to get Dubois is there because no, of that. I don't. I don't. So if he wants to go to Montreal and if he's holding much, he's holding Winnipeg hostage saying, I want to go there. Fine. But don't, you're not going to offer up that uh, first round pick. You're not going to offer up anything major. Dvorak, in a trade. maybe a prospect. So wait, wait until he's a UFA. So, but this, this brings us back to the whole center thing. In Monaghan, and for for the value, I think it would be worthwhile to sign Monaghan for one more year, then trade him. But it's all the factors. I, I agree. I, I totally agree. If yeah. you can get him for a cheap, show me what I can do, like let me show what I can do type contract, I would sign him all day. Um, however. Well, even if it's not that cheap, if he wants $4 million, give him $4 million. Who cares? Sure. You got sure. the money. Sure. And then you eat 50% um, of his cap when you swap him out. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You sign him to a one-year contract, a show me contract. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, well, you lose nothing in the end. All you get is a guy who's a veteran hockey, a veteran NHL player who can help mentor your younger guys. Yeah. And then you can still flip so, him at the deadline, just probably not for as much as you thought you were going to get the first season. Get, get a second round pick, you know, uh, like a halfway decent prospect. There you go. It's yeah. still that plus the first you got just for taking him. It's yeah. a win. Yeah. Um, but again, Simon Monaghan will depend on a lot of things happening or not happening at the draft. I agree. And at this deadline, with the Canadians not making that many moves, like you talk about Monaghan, he was a reclamation project. Gurianov, who they got for da- for Dadanov, that's another reclamation project, and he has looked pretty good in the three games he's played. Yes. If he continues at that pace, he'll be re-signed. 
but I think it had more to do with opportunity because in Dallas, he was playing on a fourth line for about 10 to 12 minutes a game. Now he's playing on a top six line and he's getting 18. He was buried and rightfully so in Dallas. There was a lot of better players ahead of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause they wanted to win. And they Montreal want to win. Care. Montreal doesn't care. So they're like, all right, we'll put you on the top line. We'll see how you go. Um, I think he's playing well. I think they will re-sign him. Uh, I'm not big. I, I think it's qualifying offers 2.9. That's what he's making now. So to qualify, he has to be 2.9. But they could sign him before they do a qualifying officer. I think that's correct. Correct me if I'm wrong. You can sign him at any time. They can give him a qualifying offer and still sign him to something after. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure how the qualifying offer thing works but uh um, have, well they make it they keep his rights he signs it then they have to pay him that for one year then he becomes a free agent or they can just they give him that he doesn't sign it they sign him to a different contract it's what they did with rem pitlick yeah so i mean he can uh i mean 2.9 I'll, I'll sure why not what's wrong with 2.9 or two years at 2 million like you get you know yeah. Even if you just sign the qualifying officers, only it's two point nine. <laughs> like we have Varmia for what three and a half. <laughs> and I know a lot of people wanted like a, a pick or something in return, but the odds of a fourth, well, even that, fourth round pick doing what he's doing now are so low. He's got better odds with Gurianov becoming more of what becoming a top six player than that fourth round pick of even making the NHL. Even if he becomes a top nine player, you got a better chance of that than a fourth round pick making the NHL. I'd argue he's already top nine in Montreal. Oh, definitely. Definitely. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You already have more value than a what if. So you have a short top nine or a what if prospect that may or may not make the NHL. In four to, year, four to five years. Right. So I, I think it was a good trade. They basically got something for nothing out of data now. Um, and they shed Weber's contract all in one big shot, uh, basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I think whether Gurren, he works out or not, it's, it's really a low risk move. Like you said, they either sign him next year or they're like, you know what? We weren't that impressed. We know you're an RFA, but we're just going to let you become a free agent. See you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and at the very least, you know that he's had a bigger impact on this team than Bonino did. Former Montreal Canadian, Bonino. Legend, Nick Bonino. If there's not a thank you fucking video for that guy. Oh, when he shows up for his next game, if they don't have a highlight video, I'll be upset. Bonino, 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 Bonino! The warm-ups lasted longer than his time in Montreal. <laughs> they didn't even sign the paper before they were signing the other paper to get rid of them. <laughs> yeah. So overall, I think it was a it was an okay uh, deadline for the Canadians. M more so in that what they didn't do, and that's he didn't panic and take whatever he could. He held on to his he held his guns. He said, no, uh, this is the value I see for my guys. Meet it or not, I don't care. But I'm keeping my guy if you don't meet it. I often wonder if Druin had any interest out there. I think with Druin, it was his contract. 
Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, even at half at two and a half million, I think people are like, oh, do we want to pay the two and a half million for a, a what if? Well, even at the, not just the what if I, th- I think he's shown that he is exactly what he is. He's a, a good playmaking winger who can help a power play. But how many teams at the deadline needed that? Not many. Exactly. And, and that, that was just it. And I mean, I do believe Druin walks off into the sunset at the end of the year. And I hope he does. He really needs a fresh start. Yeah. He, uh, I think another team will sign him in the off season. I don't know how oh, yeah. big, I don't, I don't think it'll be a huge contract, but someone will sign him and uh, hopefully succeed somewhere else. Welcome to Colorado. Hey, Nate, let's be partners again. Watch him rip it up. Watch him get like a 70 point season or something and just fucking win the Can cup and imagine? do it. Win the cup and do a cadre speech. <laughs> the first game he scores a hat trick, Twitter will implode. <laughs> I can't believe they let this guy walk. Same people who are saying, let's let this guy walk. This guy's not worth a bag of pucks. Holy shit, he can score too. <laughs> that's and that's exactly why he needs a fresh start somewhere. Yeah. I mean, it's clear that his tenure in Montreal was a complete and utter failure. And it's not because of him per se, it but was... it's the pressure they put on him and the injuries that he sustained that never he never really got going. I think Bergevin put a lot of expectations on him from the start. Uh, this will be our number yeah. one center. This is the French superstar. This is the guy that's going to, you know, hey, Bergie, why don't you tone it down <laughs> and say, let's hope this guy does really well with us. Because right away, everyone, even we, even us, we had this yeah. 70, 80 point guy. And that's not what Druin was. He was never a 70. He was a 50 point guy, 60 tops. Had he been left on the wing with an actual center, say uh, Suzuki was where he is now when Joy yeah. showed up, yeah. that would have been a much better fit. Yeah. And I still think he would only been like a 60 point winger, but he would have succeeded, but he would have succeeded. And I, I don't think he did not succeed. He was, a, he averaged 48 points in 82 games as a Montreal Canadian. So sure. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. What it and is. so that that to me that's that's not a, a an unsuccessful deadline. I mean, obviously the first deadline, uh, Hughes had bigger returns because he had bigger pieces to put out. I so think if like guys like Sherratt and uh, and uh, Toffoli were both healthy, so they were able to get the full value. Well, that's just it. If 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 Monaghan and Edmondson were relatively healthy, you would have probably had two more first round picks. Um, you know, if Druin, I mean, Dad enough, you got a deal for him, so let's not worry about that. But if Druin maybe had a better season, uh, you know, where he showed promise that hey, this guy can hit 50, 60, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, you might have got something for him. Um, yeah. But the market really, like you said, the market really wasn't out there for a winger. It wasn't really out there for a guy to help your power play or or a or a, a setup type winger. It just wasn't there. No. Um, market would have been there for a guy like uh, like Monahan. There mm-hmm. would have been a, a better market for Edmondson had he been healthy, because there's markets out there for top four shutdown defensemen. 
and I honestly believe Edmondson that he had call he had deals for Edmondson in, in hand that he just passed over because he didn't like the return, and he wasn't trading mm. him just to trade him. That's right. As a matter of fact, he was told not to get any more fourth round picks. So right away, if someone threw him a threw him a deal that had a fourth round pick in it, he said that right in his presser. I was told not to pick up another fourth round pick. You know. He was smiling and laughing when he said it, yeah. but yeah, he did say it. <laughs> you know, I mean, yes, I think it was a bit of a joke, but again, you know, look at the picks they have. Like, do we need any more middle round picks? No. And I think that's what he was jokingly getting yeah. at, that they have enough picks. He didn't come out and say, ah, we got enough picks. Because they do. Yeah. He kind of made a joke about it. Had it been... It's the quality of pick, I think, that yeah. makes the difference. Maybe a second round pick could have enticed him, maybe, but he might not have been offered that. I I think and even though he played well in the game he came back, I think his back was still a question mark for a lot of people and it devalued the return. If he would have came back two weeks ago or a week ago, I don't think we'd have I think he would have went at the deadline. And the way that Hughes talked about his moves and his non-moves shows he's taking more of a holistic view of the, the team's build. He's not saying, okay, here's a hard deadline. I, I need X number of things by this day and this day and this day. He's he's looking at it more of a time frame over years saying, yeah. okay, well, I need what I, I want, what I what I need now, but I'm not going to just give away stuff just because this is a deadline. We've got the summer coming up. The draft is coming up. There's more opportunity there, so I'm not going to panic. And he clearly said, I am not making a move if it doesn't advance this team. Yeah. So basically he's saying, I'm not making a move just to make a move. I'm not just trading Edmondson off because I need to make, oh, I better make a move at the trade deadline or else people will think I'm not doing anything. He probably looked at all of them and said, none of what I'm getting back is going to propel this team forward. Yeah, and taking anything in return that he didn't see as a full value for Edmondson. Yeah. The value he brings to the team playing and mentoring the younger guys is more than a mid-round pick. Yeah. Yeah, and I totally agree. And like I said, if he can be healthy next year, then you're gonna get you're going to have a good trade deadline asset to get rid of trade deadline next year, unless we hit the 400 millionth injury list again. But uh, who's to say he's on the team come next spring? Uh, who's next to say? Camp? Who, maybe, yeah. maybe come the draft. You're looking at Winnipeg. We want uh, Dubois. You want a center and a defenseman. I got Edmondson and I got Dvorak. That's yeah. what you're getting. I mean, look at the return for Kane. Why did the Chicago only get what they get for Kane? Because Kane only wanted to go to the New York Rangers. And they were like, well, and we got to had control. We got to get something for it. So if Dubois only wants to go to Montreal, he has control. He goes to his agent, says, I want Montreal. I don't want to sign another RFA with Winnipeg. Right. I'll sit out the season. You know what I mean? Or, or trade me there or I'll just sign a one-year deal. And that's it. So yep. they're they're for his hand is forced. Uh, either you let him you let him stay on the team for a team like Winnipeg, who have a team that can compete in the playoffs in the Western Conference. Do you want to take that gamble, where your guy's going to walk away, or you have to trade him at the deadline? 
because it's again, not a good look. You're, you're not a seller at the deadline if you're making the playoffs. And if you get rid of Dubois yeah. at the deadline, you're selling. And that's a major piece for a team like Winnipeg. Yeah. That, that's your second line center. He's a power forward. You know, he, he big body can, you know, he crash and bang. He plays Winnipeg Jets hockey. He's, he's 24 and almost a point per game guy. He's improved every year yeah. he's played. Uh, then you got Shifley leaving soon after. So do you want to take that gamble? Yeah, well, that's do just you really it. want to. Again, Winnipeg's another team. That window's starting to close it, close in on. Not as quick as some other teams, but they have some major pieces that are maybe not be there in the next couple of years. Yeah. But all the other teams, it's because their pieces are getting older for Winnipeg. It's for whatever reason, they don't want to stay. Well, maybe if they get rid of Shifley, they'll have a better dressing room. Just throwing that out there. <laughs> Just throwing you know, our friend John there. would be able to tell us better. I don't think John would over though. a beer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe in private over a beer maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know if i promise not to sing karaoke again he'd let he'd talk he's like yeah you don't subject me to that kind of pain again sure by the way john looked really good at the trade deadline i liked his suit he had a really he had he a really, always looks good. he always has a good suit even his uh even his uh uh jogging pant suit uh went during covid uh, in Montreal was uh, top notch. You showed that to the wife. She won't let me get one. <laughs> I'm like, come on, this epic. I'll get you a jug. Uh, I'll get you a a fleece evening <laughs> gown. We'll match. Hey, imagine John, the electricity between us. You wouldn't even know that was that type of suit. No, imagine the electri- the electricity between you and the oh, old lady Jesus. if uh, she's wearing a a flannel uh, flannel night uh, night out dress i mean and you sh- and you shuffle dress. your feet on the carpet anyway uh that's pretty much her for the show winners and losers we're going to end it off on that who in your opinion did the best at the deadline to improve their chances at actually winning the cup i'm gonna to have to go with toronto I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. Because, uh, like I say, Tampa already has the team that could. They just added here and there. Uh, Boston again, but the way they are, they just added here. But Toronto, besides that sanding move, Toronto basically went all in and said, "Hey, we're going for broke." I don't think they're going to do it. A good pick, but I don't think they're going to do it. But I, I think they uh, did the best job. Did the best job. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, I won't belabor that point but in my opinion i think it's the rangers tarasenko kane they needed scoring they got scoring now they they're guaranteed the Kako and lefranyev are down on a third line with uh with chittle and that line is killing it they already got a strong defense they already got the goaltending so i think the rangers did the best to 
move their, themselves forward. But Toronto, yeah, I can see it. But for the losers at the deadline, the ones that paid a lot for pieces that you just know they gave away assets in a losing cause. That's a tough one. Um... <laughs> gave away ass. I was going to say Florida because they did absolutely nothing for a team that went all in last yeah. year yeah. and is cl- no, and is yeah. and is close to as close as they are to the wild card this year. They did absolutely nothing, nothing. And their team had nothing s- to give, but their team's been so inconsistent all year. Yeah. Uh, you'd think they would do what they can to pick up something. Um, so that's who I was going to go with. But if uh, people who gave up something to get, well, it could be you any know team what? really at the deadline. You know any yeah. team. I think Florida is a big loser. I think, uh, uh, Vancouver. I don't understand what Vancouver was doing at this trade deadline. Uh, it looked like they were selling and then they bought some things and then they sold some other things. And then they, I don't think Vancouver knows what they're doing. Vancouver did it an ADHD type trade deal. They didn't know where they were going. Um, I know the Canucks fans are just. Maybe Matthew Zader can write an article at the hockey writers to explain the whole trade deadline to us. Uh, I don't think he knows what's going on. He, he's, but, uh, I remember uh, I was talking to him on Slack. He's confused as hell. So, I mean, if you want to sit there and say who gave up assets and moved assets, that's not going to go anywhere. It's Vancouver. Vancouver made a whole ton of trades. Like, oh, they're selling. Oh, wait. What they just, oh, what they, oh, they're, oh, they're, St. Louis, another thing. But St. Louis did it for a reason because they want a quick turnaround. So I understand why St. Louis did it. Vancouver, well, their, their moves made sense in that scenario correct Vancouver's, Vancouver's didn't not at all not at all they didn't get rid of Brock Bozer <laughs> the biggest piece that they were supposed to move they held on to yeah so I I mean I don't know what they were holding on for him for um maybe they just didn't maybe like Hughes maybe he didn't get the return he wanted but then you see what he got the return on other things and you're like I don't know I, I don't want I, I I have no idea so I'm gonna go with Florida and Vancouver we're big losers um i'll add one more name to that list and that's the arizona coyotes because they held on so long to probably the best trade chip that would have been out there available in chitron yeah and they held on so long that they got nothing for they, they lost yeah. yeah which would make ottawa one of the bigger winners in my opinion but they have the best injured team and all of the nhl they have a hall of fame injured team that's true and uh when they become healthy look out look out anyone that was (laughs) playing nhl 2008 (laughs) they would love this team arizona has the best team on on paper (laughs) datsuk pronger weber oh my god uh marion or hosa boracek boracek now yeah I mean, listen, I know we're signing off, but what a joke that is. 57% of their cap is on LTIR. Like, that's not right. I'm sorry, but it's not right. Like the NHL, the NHL sits there and go, if you're trading an injured player just for, uh, we're going to scrutinize it. However, there's a, hey, uh, we need to meet the cap floor here. So just give us all your injured. 
That's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. But yeah, reverse. Yeah, blind eye. Oh, oh, that's okay. Which just proves that the league. I mean, Bettman has it out for teams that are trying to win, especially if those teams are not the Rangers or L.A. Like they want big market teams to do Tampa Bay. Look at Kucherov. Yeah. Oh, I'm injured. Oh, I'm injured. Oh, playoffs. Woo. (laughs) You know, like it's. It's a miracle. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but there has to be. The parody in the NHL when it comes the parody in the NHL when it comes to the cap and to the money structure is so out there. I mean, you just take taxes into consideration. You know, and he doesn't care about that because all the higher taxes are in Canada. And I, I truly believe Bettman just wants big market teams to win, and all the big money market teams are in the United States because the Canada money market doesn't count. That's the issue. No, that's the majority of the money. The Canada. Yeah. But he's it guaranteed is. that money no matter what. So Correct. why even bother? Correct. He wants the T. If he sees big money market in the States, that's when all the, T- the TV revenue comes in from the States, which is the big, big money, right? And who he has to cater to. And if, sure, you can call, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I truly believe Bettman is doing everything he can to ensure that American teams keep winning the cup. I know he's doing everything he can to keep American teams in American cities because he's putting in videos where he's essentially whoring himself yeah. out to Tampa, yeah. to Tampa, to Tempe to get that arena. So yeah. The Tucson um, Roadrunners yeah. get more of a crowd than the Arizona Coyotes. That's sad. They got a bigger rink too. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that's sad. Yeah. That's sad. So on that note, now that everyone's angry and wants to uh, tell Bettman to go fuck himself, uh, I think we'll end the show there. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I know this show went over a little over an hour, but it's a trade deadline thing. So why not? We talked about a little bit of everything. Um, and that's because you guys have been sending us uh, emails and DMs asking for more of this kind of content. So please, if you want more of that, you want something else as well, send those DMs, send those emails, let us know. We're going to do our best to give you guys what you're looking for uh, on top of just us chirping each other incessantly, which I know is still a pretty big draw. So maybe we'll even get Matt to do a show shirtless. Well, we got to get him on first. True, true. He's always working working but uh i want to thank everyone for uh, listening for watching and remember if you're talking about it so are we do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty 
from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. <laughs>